Hello and welcome to Between the Two Trees. I am the Reverend Dr. Theta Franz and this is podcast number eight, What We Might Learn from Drag Queens. It's so good to be here and to be able to share what's going on with me. I had a very interesting experience, two interesting experiences. One involved a drag queen, but we'll get to that in a minute. Last week, I went out to dinner with a friend of mine, and I was talking to her about some events in my life, and she said, oh, wow, you have the coolest stories. I really think that you should share more with other people about the adventures that you've had in your life. And she actually suggested I write a book. And I said, well, anytime I've tried to write down what's happened to me, it just comes off really flat. And she said, well, maybe you could get somebody to write down what you, you could talk and just get somebody to write down what you say, and maybe that would have more life. And we laughed about it, and I just set it aside. And a few days later, I went for a walk, as I so often like to do. Usually when I go walking, I like to just listen to the sounds in nature. I take my cell phone with me and my earbuds with me, Uh, just in case I get inspired to listen to something. But much of the time, I just like to listen to nature. So I was out walking and and I get this divine nudge. That's what I call when, when I feel prompted to do something. I call it the divine nudge. And usually what happens is if I don't pay attention to the divine nudge, eventually the divine nudge turns into an intense poke and maybe goes so far as to be a divine shove. And that's what happened. I kept, I kept walking. I got this divine nudge to, to listen to a podcast. I, I follow Rob Bell and his podcast. It's called The Rob Cast. If you don't listen to it, you really could because he's awesome. And as I was walking, I got this divine nudge to listen to Rob Bell's podcast. And I just set it aside. I'm like, no, I just want to listen to the sounds of nature. I'm going to keep walking. And a few minutes later, there's another nudge, a little bit more intense. And uh, I ignored it. And I just kept walking. And as I was walking, I was thinking about the fact that I didn't have a guest lined up for another podcast. And I was asking myself, you know, what am I going to do? for my next podcast. And then the divine nudge turned into a rather intense poke. And I said, Okay, fine, I will I will listen to Rob's next podcast. And as soon as it started, he was talking about how he comes from for those of you who don't know, Rob was a a minister, He used to be a, a Christian uh, pastor of a church, a rather large church. And he left that to do the work that he does now. And he talks a lot about spirituality within a loosely Christian framework. And I love his work. Anyway, he was talking about how he comes from a tradition and a history of crafting. Before he shares something, he He writes it down and he edits it and it's first draft, second draft, third draft. Really, maybe he'll set it aside and then come back to it. And it's a process of crafting what it is that he wants to share. And lately he had been and he'd been doing that with his podcasts. And lately he'd been feeling as if he just needed to share what was on his heart. Maybe not do quite so much crafting. 
And as I heard that, I was thinking about what my friend had said a few nights before. And I was thinking about how I was considering what to do for my next podcast. And I really felt like I was getting the prompt to just share my heart. You know, when I felt like spirit was directing me to start this podcast in the first place, that was my intention. It was my intention to just share my heart. And I had the messages that we so often get when we're embarking on a project like this. Oh, come on, Theta. You don't have anything to share anybody really wants to listen to. You don't have anything original to say. And so, you know, I had guests come on, which was really fun. And I I definitely enjoyed it. And I'm going to, my intention is to continue to have dialogue with other people doing spiritual work. I'm also going to take a gentle jog to the right here. Not a hard turn, but a gentle jog and start talking about what's on my heart instead of just talking to other people about what's on theirs. It feels like it's important for me to to be willing to do this. My theme this last year has been about authenticity, allowing myself to be seen. And I feel like this is a part of that. So I am going to do that. And what's on my heart, first of all, is I am so grateful for the way that spirit shows up. In that moment, when I realized I was listening to that, I was prompted to listen to that podcast so I would know what to do next. I felt so seen by the great goodness that I call God. For some people, their faith is strengthened by miracles, the big things that happen, that big check in the mail you needed, or that clean bill of health that you didn't think you were going to get, or the resolution of a health problem the doctors said couldn't be cured. For some people, that's what really builds their faith are those big moments. My experience has been a little different. For me, it's the little things. It's when God notices the little things, when things line up just right, just like they did in this instance, where I had that conversation with a friend, and then I'm thinking about the podcast, and then I'm prompted to listen to another podcast, and and here I am. And it never ceases to amaze me the way things line up so that I am given the desire of my heart. The desire of my heart is to be able to share my heart with everyone who wants to listen. The desire of my heart is that each and every one of you would know your wholeness, would know your belovedness, would know that you are absolutely adored by the great goodness, by the great lover of all. And it just blows me away the way that I was led, directed, guided, whatever you want to say, to be able to do just that. And it gives me courage. And it makes me smile. And I am grateful. I'm really grateful. And I feel seen and I feel known by the great goodness. 
The other thing I wanted to talk to you about was an adventure that I went on this past weekend. I went to the Drag Queen Story Hour that was being held at a local library not far from where I live. And while the story hour itself, I mean, it's certainly a lot of fun, it probably wouldn't, you probably wouldn't think it would be much of an adventure. It was very interesting what played out. Now, this is one of a handful of drag queen story hours that have been going on in our local area. And for anybody unfamiliar with the drag queen story hour, it is a, a program that is hoping to enhance awareness about the fluid nature of gender and to increase diversity and inclusion. And what happens is a uh, drag queen who wants to do the story hour does so and sings songs that are about friendship and caring and reads a story about the same. And there's no real agenda other than to promote diversity and inclusion and, and for children to get the message that we all need to be nice to each other and that it's okay to celebrate our differences. We don't have to all be the same. I think that's a pretty cool message. And I think there's a lot of adults who could really use that message, quite frankly. So I had heard, I'd seen on social media that there might be some protesters present at Drag Queen Story Hour. And I wanted to go in support of the story hour. I guess you could call it a, a counter protest. Uh, I just intended on showing up uh, in, and being supportive. And when and my husband chose to go with me, as did my daughter and uh, a friend of hers. And so we went to the library where this was being held. And it was we got there a half hour before the story hour. There was already a whole bunch of people there and this big crowd. And there was a group of people protesting who they didn't, I found out later that they weren't even from our area. They're like professional protesters. And I don't think they're paid. I don't think anybody paid them to show up, but they had very fancy banners and bagpipes and a megaphone. And, and there was a, just a whole bunch of them. And they were very intensely protesting this drag queen story hour. I'm assuming that they were Christian because they were doing things like praying the rosary and they had signs about getting saved and how um, one of them had a sign that said morality is not hate. Um, I'm, I'm not sure what that was about. I don't, I don't know how it is that um, someone reading stories to children about love and inclusion is, is immoral. Um, I guess the fact that it was a man wearing uh, a dressed up like a princess, maybe that's they thought that part was immoral. I, I don't know. Um, there was another guy who had a sign that said, choose abstinence. I have no idea what he thought was going to go on in that library, but I'm, I'm not sure that sign was necessary. But what I noticed about the protesters is they were very angry and, and really, they just seemed angry and, and really fearful. And I saw one woman in particular, there was a friend of mine who had a sign that said sashay away, which I thought was really clever. And she was trying to stand in front of the library. And there was another woman who was 
had a sign that said something about Jesus on it. I don't know what it was, what it said. I couldn't see it from where I was. But the woman with the Jesus sign was really angry, first of all, with my friend for being in front of the library. And she tried to, there were there was a police presence there. And she tried to get to the policeman to move my friend. And he the policeman wouldn't do that because my friend had a right to be there. It was public property. And then when she couldn't have my friend removed, the woman with the Jesus sign stood in front of my friend so nobody could see her sign. And I thought to myself, you know, how small of a God do you have to have that you have to protect your God? You have to do the job of your God and stand in front of that person's sign. Like you you can't have a world where people can show a sign because your God is so tiny. And I thought how sad that has to be for someone to be so fearful, to be so scared and angry that they can't even tolerate another person's sign. And I, I get it. In a way, I really do, because I used to be a conservative evangelical. And then I was a fairly conservative Catholic, too. So I was a conservative evangelical Protestant and then a conservative evangelical Catholic for for many years, for much of my adult life. I understand what it's like to have an angry, judgmental God that's, you know, you're going to you're going to be judged one day. You're going to have to give an account for your sins and and all of that. I, I get it. I really do. Because I was there and I used to believe that. And I know how scared I was and how that God felt very, very angry to me and very distant. And I was constantly feeling like I wasn't going to measure up. And that's a terrifying place for somebody to have to be. And that's not the kind of God that I believe in today. I don't believe God gives one rip about whether or not you wear a dress or you wear pants or you put makeup on or you don't. I don't think God cares who you have sex with. I don't think God cares how you choose to express your gender identity. I don't think God cares about any of that. I think that is completely man-made. And for people who try to use the Bible as a way of bullying others with regard to these issues, I think they are seriously misinformed. Um, I, I am not as well-versed about the specifics on that, but I know John Shore, S-H-O-R-E, he has done a couple videos with regard to what's called the bully passages, B-U-L-L-Y, bully passages in the Bible, and the way that they are used incorrectly to condemn homosexuality. Um, there are even people who, who condemn being transgender, which I, I just, I don't understand that. If you don't feel comfortable in the body that you're in, and you feel more comfortable having that body changed. Who cares? Like, who is that hurting? How does that affect you personally, Joe or Jane Christian? How does that impact your life personally? I I don't think that it does. And this theology based in fear is not something that 
I believe the God of my understanding or the Jesus that I know would be on board with. And I I get a little torqued up about it because it reminds me of the way that the Pharisees were in Jesus' time. They had very specific ways that people were supposed to behave and abide by the law. And, you know, they were letter of the law people. And Jesus wasn't. He healed on the Sabbath. He had meals with tax collectors who were like the, the scum. He, he spoke to the Romans. He spoke to Roman soldiers. And the leaders, the religious leaders of his day thought that he was a heretic, a blasphemer, they called him. And I see that same legalism, that same you have to be a certain way-ism playing out. I saw it playing out the other day and with the protesters at, out in front of the Drag Queen Story Hour. And, you know, I think about what are the children learning? Like they're, they're thinking, that the protesters are saying, oh, we're, we're protecting our children. What are you protecting them from? The kids weren't thinking that this was, uh, this is a problem. Somebody, some person in a princess outfit wants to read them stories and sing songs with them. I didn't, I didn't see any of the protesters say, you know what, let this guy get out the way. We'll read stories to the children. You know, nobody else is volunteering to read stories to kids on a Saturday afternoon. So he's trying to do a service and trying to spread kindness. And that's seen as sinful and and perv- I heard some of the protesters saying, oh, it's perversion. The only people who were sexualizing this issue were the protesters. I guarantee you none of the kids were thinking about this. They just saw somebody who wanted to share a story and some songs with them, and they were excited to be there because of that. It tends to be the the people who are all worked up about rules and law that have a problem with it. And I just don't understand why people need to get so worked up over something like this. And I mean, in a way, I do understand why. I understand they're afraid. I understand that they think they're doing a loving thing. And I know this because I used to be one of them. They think they are saving their community and saving those children. And they're doing the proper and right thing. And they're doing what the God of their understanding, what they believe the God of their understanding is telling them to do. And it looks to the rest of us like them being intolerant and them being legalistic and maybe even hateful. And to them, they see it as doing the loving thing, ultimately loving because they're, quote, saving everyone. And I I can see what what fuels that and i disagree with it completely and in fact in the show notes i'm going to have the url to the drag queen story hour if you want to learn more about that i'm also going to see if i can dig up john shore's videos on youtube he did he was connected to a project called nalt nalt christians we are not all like that christians and it was big a few years ago and it was just about 
people, Christian families going on YouTube and making a video to say, hey, we are Christians, but we are not homophobic Christians. I think it's really telling, too, that some of the ministers and leadership that were our most anti-alternate lifestyles end up coming out later as gay. There was a big uh, conversion therapy guy who came out recently as as gay. I, I mean, I think that's worth taking a look at, too. Um, what is it that Shakespeare quote? Methinks the lady doth protest too much. You know, if you're if you're the one coming against it so hard, maybe there's a reason for that. I believe the God of my understanding is a God of love and inclusion, and everybody is welcome at the table. Everyone is welcome without condition. And I see that that's not how it's always being played out. And I saw that this last weekend. It was, you have to do it our way, believe our way, or else. And and that's just not... That's not my idea of what the Bible says, what God says. It's not the Jesus I know. It's not the God I know. The God I know has loved me and continues to love me no matter what. The God I know loves everyone no matter what. And it would have been nice if I could have seen more of that from the Christians on in front of that library that day. And the other issue for me is that these Christians got a lot of press and and I'm not sure that it does much for the cause of Christianity when those are the people getting the press, the ones who are pointing the finger and judging and wanting to, um, you know, set the rules. I'm, I'm not sure that that's helpful to the cause of Christianity at all. And it doesn't, it doesn't recognize, it doesn't, I don't recognize the God that I know um, in actions like that. And at the same time, I have tremendous compassion for them. And I appreciate their willingness to come out on a Saturday afternoon away from their, you know, the other things they could be doing to, um, to stand up for something that matters to them. Um, it's just for some of them, the way they did it was certainly not very loving. And, um, and I think that they're misguided. But, you know, it's a free country and people can do can do what they want, I guess. What disturbs me is is that they had this organized group that wasn't even from our area specifically to come and and protest. And I have to say to um, to the man who put this show on, I know he goes by Miss Amy. That's his stage name. I I think he is so courageous because he's going to continue to do this. And he's going to continue to do Drag Queen Story Hour in, in areas and in libraries uh, around the county, knowing that there are going to be people protesting his doing this. And I think that takes tremendous courage. And I actually sent him a message on Facebook and I said, hey, look, the only time people come against you is when you're doing something really awesome. When you're a game changer, when you are having a positive impact that is when all the haters come out. So you can trust that you're doing some good here. Because if you were being, if you were ineffective, nobody would care. Nobody would care what you're doing. So the haters come when you start really having a positive impact. So consider this a good sign. 
And he wrote me back and shared his appreciation. I am hopeful that people will continue to come out and support him. And I am grateful that there are people like him who are invested in helping teach our children the way of love and peace and inclusion. And and really, you know, what's interesting to me, all those protesters thinking that they're they're showing what that, you know, what God is. And, and really, I think it was um, Miss Amy. I think it's Miss Amy who's showing what God is like. God is playful and God teaches us lovingly and gently about how to be good to each other. So I'm going to wrap this up and say that I hope all of you take away the message to be good to each other. I'm grateful for this platform. I'm grateful for you listening. And I look forward to the next time we get together. Love and peace.